All right, let's open up our Bibles to 3 John. 3 John. 3 John, chapter 1 and verse number 2 is where we're going to begin. Please keep your Bibles handy. Wow, are we going to look at a lot of Scripture tonight. You guys are going to have to follow along quickly with me. I've got a lot to say. I'm going to begin a series tonight. And I'm naming this series, The Basics of Biblical Body Care. The Basics of Biblical Body Care. Uh, there was a better title that I would have used, but Brother Ron Ralph, some years ago, he preached a series of lessons called Healthy Habits of the Holy. I would have much rather used that. I like the ring of that better. So I had to put my own spin to this, Basics of Biblical Body Care. I'm not redoing what Brother Ralph taught, although I learned a lot from his series. Um, I'd like to give you something I've never taught on before. We're going to study what the Bible has to say about your physical health. And uh, I, I hope it'll be a help to you. I don't know where this is going to end. I don't know when this is going to end. I've already been doing quite a bit of research and reading. And uh, I can tell you this tonight. We're going to talk about your diet a little bit. We'll talk about exercise and sports. Did you know the Bible has a lot to say about sports? Exercise. Do you know the verses? God knows you do enough sports around this town. You should know at least five verses on sports. I mean, if you participate in sports and you think the Bible is the most important book in the world, surely you know at least five things that God said about sports. We'll talk about exercise and sports. We'll talk about rest and sleep. We'll talk about taking a vacation. Probably should have done that tonight, right? Probably, probably should have started there. Uh, we'll talk about healing. We'll talk about medicine. We'll talk about singing. Recent studies have shown that it helps your health. Uh, we're going to, by the grace of God, cover all sorts of topics. So before we do, let's go ahead and bow our heads together and let's take it to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you this evening. What a, what a blessing it's already been to hear this testimony of how you have saved a soul and changed a life. And where there was only confusion and turmoil, there's now peace and joy. And Lord, it can only... Lord, it only makes me think of how you did the exact same thing in my life. Turned my world upside down. And Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight. We desire to worship you in spirit and in truth. And even though we're looking at a topic that, well, Lord, it just affects this temporary physical body, we, we are still seeking truth from you. We still want to hear from you and, and get help from your word. Please teach us tonight. And I ask you, please fill me with your spirit as I speak. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you, I'm just curious, complete curiosity, how many of you have ever heard a series in any church you've been in on biblical health, anything like this? Anybody had a series of lessons? Wow, we're all doing this for the first time. Okay, here we go. Third John chapter 1 and verse 2. Beloved. I was pausing for effect. Yeah, I know that's... That's deep right there, right? I got your attention. Beloved, make sure you stay hydrated. <laughs> Hope you got the lesson. <laughs> Let's all stand and pray. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Now, this verse is teaching us that if you follow Jesus, all of your wishes are going to come true. <laughs> Okay, I thought I'd dispense with the nonsense and get that out of the way. That's, that's not what this verse is saying. Although, it's shocking how many people teach it that way. 
They claim that because this is an apostle speaking and he's wishing good health upon them, then good health is going to be an automatic. Uh, it's just going to miraculously come upon all the converts to Christ. And along with the health, the prosperity. Now, folks, let me just dispense with a few misconceptions. The word prosperity or prosper in the Bible simply means things are going to work out well. It, it never means in the Bible you're going to get filthy rich and all your dreams come true and this utopia of a life comes down upon you. That's, that's not what the word prosper means. When, when John says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, this is a very simple greeting to his well-beloved Gaius, whom he loves in the truth. This is one brother speaking to another brother and saying, I really like to see things work out in your life. That's it. That there, that's all there is. There's no promise of God here that Gaius is going to have good health. You're not actually going to find one promise in the New Testament where God says, if you follow me, you will have all of your diseases healed and you'll always be in good health. That's not the case at all. But I do want you to see here that John is at least aware and concerned about his friend's health. Does John spend a lot of time talking about the physical health? No. And, and that's certainly not one of the major topics in the Bible. But we've been here about seven years now. And it wouldn't hurt for us to examine for a few weeks what the Bible has to say about your health. I am sure that you have spent tens of thousands of rands going to doctors, taking medicines. I'm sure that you've gone to bookstores and purchased magazines and books and studied up on your, on your own. You've searched multiple websites trying to find the antidote to all of your sicknesses. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense to search the scriptures and say, let's ask the one who made the body what he might have to say about it. So even though the Bible certainly doesn't focus in on physical health, it does have some things to say about the topic. And as your pastor, I'm concerned about your health. I don't want to see you in bad health. I don't want to see you physically hurting. Um, I don't mind visiting anyone in the hospital, right? I, if that happens to you, God forbid, I don't mind coming to visit. I, I would be there for you, but I'd much rather come to your house and visit over a liquor cup of coffee, right, rather than in a hospital bed. So I certainly cannot teach you anything about avoiding all sicknesses and diseases. If the Lord tarries, I'm sure there will be a time when you will visit the hospital for something. We just can't avoid that, right? That's part of this sin-cursed world that we live in. But I hope, I hope I can share a few things with you from the Bible that will help. Uh, take your Bible, come to Genesis chapter 43. What you've just read in, in 3 John is the last time the word health is used in the Bible. It's the last mention of it. Now we're going to look at the first mention of the word health in the Bible. Genesis chapter 43, and we'll start reading in verse 27. Genesis 43 and verse number 27. This is when Joseph's brothers have, they're uh, being presented before Joseph. His brothers do not know who he is at this point. They think he's simply the second in command, a big shot in Egypt. And uh, verse 27, he asked them, Joseph's asking the brothers, of their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom ye spake? Is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. 
He is yet alive. And they bowed down and their, uh, their heads and made obeisance, just a sign of respect to Joseph. But that's the first time the word health shows up. It shows up with the adjective good health. My father is in good health. Do you know who, it, who appreciated this little message, the father's in good health? Joseph was glad to hear that his dad was in good health. I find that interesting. Do you know who rejoices in your good health? Probably, there are probably other people interested in your health more than you're interested in your health. I have found that to be abundantly true. When I am sick, it bothers my wife more than me. Now, there's two reasons for that. Number one, she loves me immensely and doesn't want to see me suffer. The second reason is I'm a big baby, and when I get sick, I'm a whiner. <laughs> and God, please heal my husband quick because I'm tired of hearing this. <laughs> but she... And the people that care about me, they are interested in my well-being. And to hear, hey, Brother Mike's in good health. That is a blessing to them, even more than it is to me. I'm sure that you're like me on this. If you have a loved one or a friend that is suffering, there are many times, I'm sure you've actually prayed this, God, let me be sick, let them be healthy. Have you ever prayed that? I mean, Jesus took our place on the cross, right? So I don't think it's that outrageous of a prayer. God, please let that sickness come on me. I'd rather not see this person suffer. Let me go through it. I've thought that many times. And those of you that have children, you can appreciate this. The, one of the most difficult things you can go through is watching your child suffer with some sort of very difficult illness. Oh, man, that just takes it out of you. So to hear that somebody else is doing well and in good health, that is an encouraging message. That's a real blessing. So, if you're not interested in this topic for yourself, then maybe you listen in and pay attention for the next several weeks, improve your health a little bit, so that the people around you and the people that care about you can get a blessing out of hearing, hey, I'm feeling a little bit better than I was a while back. Um, those of you that come to prayer meeting, you maybe uh, have picked up on this, but of course, you know that I've been struggling with my voice and continue to struggle with it. Not quite sure what I'm going to do. Not worried about it. But my family is. Several of you are. And one of the things that breaks my heart the most is when we sit there for a prayer meeting, you know we sing three or four or five songs before we go to pray. And Amy will look over and see me not singing. She'll see me mouthing the words, but she can hear that nothing's coming out of my, my mouth, no volume. And on multiple occasions, she's broke down into tears. And that breaks my heart. And you know why I want to take care of my voice? If for nothing else, now I want to do it for Jesus because I want to keep speaking for his sake, right? You get that. That little girl really does care about her daddy. And that is all the motivation I need to see how much somebody else cares about my health. So, folks, I realize we're not talking about eternity. Uh, I realize that what we're going to discuss for the next few weeks may not penetrate all the way to your soul. I hope that maybe a few things you'll learn about the soul as we go, but it really will improve the quality of your life. And you'll appreciate that, and the people around you will as well. Now, let me tell you what this is not going to be. Let me introduce a few things here. Come to Daniel chapter 1. Uh, we are not, I am not going to be emphasizing some weird, strange diets 
I'm not up here proposing that, you know, you go on one of these all-protein, no-carb diets or all-carb, no-protein diets or, you know, just dip your finger in, 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 in dirt and put it on the tip of your tongue and that's all you have for the day. I don't know. People come up with all sorts of weird diets. When we were in Bible school, Mom, you remember, people come up with something about every three or four months. It would circulate through the church. Hey, you got to try this new thing. Man, we found it. If you just drink carrot juice, you'll never get cancer. Okay, I, you know, I don't mind carrot juice. And then a few months later, you know, somebody gets cancer even though they have carrot juice. So then you got to switch that. Hey, you got to try collodial silver. That's where it's all at, collodial silver. Then you try that for a little while. And you just, you know, moringa. Brother Dobbins gave us that a few months ago. You got to try that. Sister Tony Nicolene, you knew it was coming, didn't you? I, I don't need... I, I bought some Moringa from Diskin the other day. I tried to drink it. Wow, man. That stuff's manufactured in the bottomless pit. That is nasty. That stuff is nasty. It might be, it has to be healthy because there's no reason you would put that in your body if it wasn't good for you, right? Dr. Ruckman had a very interesting approach to physical health and diets. He, he, he said it like this. He said, if it tastes good, spit it out. Now, that's not a biblical thought. That's a Dr. Ruckman thought. He was very extreme on this. He lived to be, I think, 94, so you might want to pay attention a little bit. He said, if it tastes good, spit it out, and I promise you'll lose weight. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense on many levels, actually. But Dr. Ruckman, he was a different kind of a guy. He, he at 10 o'clock at night, we'd knock off from Bible school. He'd go home. It's what you guys would say is zero. It's 30-some degrees, you know, Fahrenheit, so zero Celsius. He goes to his house, 10 o'clock at night, and jumps into a horse trough, freezing cold water in the horse trough. He jumps in the horse trough. He said, it, it just does the body good, pushes all the blood to the middle. Now, he's right about that. That's actually true. I don't know if I'd do it, but that's what he'd do. He'd say, he'd say now, now, brother, every now and then, what you need to do is go home and just stand on your head. Just stand on your head for about, a, about 30 minutes or so and let the blood rush the other direction. He said, now here's his thinking. And guys, that's not scientific at all. But his thinking is, you stand this way the whole day and your heart has to work hard to pump the blood up. So if you flip your body over, it gives your heart a break and lets it pump the blood the other. <laughs> that makes no sense, right? But I could get the same benefit laying down, right? Dr. Ruckman, when he would eat chicken, he would eat all the meat and the bone. He'd eat all of the chicken, the whole thing. His dogs got nothing. He loved his dogs, German shepherds. He had them all, all his life. And he, those dogs got no bones. He'd eat all the bones. He'd go out at midnight and jog barefoot down the pavement in his 80s. In his 80s, he's still playing racquetball and he played hockey. He was the goalie for our hockey team in his 80s. I don't know if you want to take any of that and say, okay, I'm going to eat the chicken bones and live to be 94. I, this is not the type of series where I try to say, now see, it worked for him, now you have to try it. That's not what we're doing here, okay? Everybody's different. What works for one person, their, their specialized little things may not work for the other things. Uh, that's why I've carefully called this series Basics of Biblical Body Care. We're not going to focus in on these weird and strange diets and stuff like that. Look at Daniel 1, verse number 8. 
Daniel 1 verse 8. I, for a while, this was a big fad. I don't know if it was real big here in South Africa, but in America, this was big for a while. Daniel 1 and 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So you, I, I assume you know the story here. They were trying to get these Jews to become Babylonian. They taught them their language. They educated them uh, in all the Babylonian ways and science and all this stuff. And now they're trying to get them to eat Babylonian food, which the, the king's meat would have been, uh, to a Jew, it would have been non-kosher. It would have been defiling to them. So verse 9, now, da- uh, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. So this guy, his job was to take care of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if they're not well taken care of, this eunuch could get in trouble and even lose his life. So he says, guys, if you don't eat this meat and drink this wine, you're not going to look as strong as the other people. So he said, you're endangering my head by doing this. Verse 11, then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are the Hebrew names for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 12, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Pulse, the Hebrew word behind that means something that is sown. So pulse is beans, peas, lentils, any other kind of legume, something that you would you sow it into the ground, then you'd have to take it and, and take the shell off of it or beat the shell off of it or something like that. That's, that would be pulse. Uh, when we say the word pulse, we think of a heartbeat, right? You have a pulse, boom, 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 boom. That's your heart is beating. So you dig something out of the ground. You have to beat it before you eat it. That sounds real corny, right? But <laughs> anyway, that's what pulse is. So this is this is more than just a vegetarian diet. This is a very restrictive, limited diet. Pulse and water. So for a while, all the Bible believing, let me not say all, but many of the Bible believing churches, this was it, man. We, we've got to cleanse ourselves and physically, you know, we've got to just take pulse and, and water for 10 days and then if we do that, we're going to be stronger than ever and our face is going to shine bright. And uh, Verse number 13, then let our countenances, that's the way your face appears, be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat the portion of the king's meat And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and he proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Then Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. He said, okay, you guys have proven your point. You don't have to take this Babylonian food. You can have what you've requested. Guys, there's no promise in this passage that if you eat this diet, you are going to get nice and healthy and appear fatter and fresher and so forth. There's nothing about this passage that we can claim and say, if I eat like that, it will definitely work for me. So we're not going to push this sort of a diet on you. Let me give you another one some people try to push. Get Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. If you would like to try the Daniel diet, 
please, please know that you're welcome to try it. Amen? No one's going to stop you. But I just want you to know that there's no promise you're going to get healthy eating that way. It worked for Daniel, but that was a very extraordinary circumstance. So you may be, you, you got to be careful about applying it to us now. Genesis 1 and verse 29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. Meat as in food, just in the general sense. He's not saying that bryflace is going to grow on trees. Okay, I, I know, yeah. Some of you... Tianus, Tianus, shucks. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a great response. It, it doesn't grow on trees, right? Uh, verse 30, And to every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. The green herbs, vegetables, right? Everything growing out of the ground. That was given for their food. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were vegetarians at the least, at the least, if not vegans, but vegetarians at the very least. Now let's be careful here, we're not Rastafarians, right? The green herb was given for meat, not for relaxation, amen? It, it's, it wasn't meant to be rolled, it was meant to be eaten. Let's be clear on that, but we'll leave that out. We might discuss that in a later lesson, actually, there's some things to be said on that. But there are those that, that say, if you want to get back to good health, then apply this uh, diet of Eden. Get back to the original condition and the paradise condition. So eat like they ate and just vegetables and that's it. And they promote somewhat of a vegan diet. Well, a couple problems with that. Number one, Genesis 1, before the fall. We're living in a post-fall situation. So it would be very difficult to say by eating like Genesis 1, we will somehow recreate paradise and its conditions. That, that just, that doesn't connect. We're not in the Garden of Eden now, so that's not going to work. Number two, uh, you, know what, you know the difference between a vegan and a vegetarian, right? A vegetarian, just vegetables, but they will sometimes have maybe um, eggs or milk or something like that. A vegan takes nothing from an animal. So an egg or milk, cheese, that's off limits. Uh, butter because it came from an animal. So the Bible is like what? Milk and meat. Oh, I hope you're not a biblical vegan, <laughs> right? Because then you can't have any of the Bible, whether it's the basic stuff or the deeper stuff. So if you're a vegan, you're going to struggle with that to a small extent. But now there again, I, I get it. There's a difference between the physical and spiritual. So if you have your reasons for a vegan diet, please help yourself. There's nothing against that in the Bible. It would just be wrong to say that based on Genesis 1, we should all eat like that. There's nothing about Genesis 1 that says we now are commanded to eat in, in that manner. Furthermore, uh, let's just remember that it wasn't a piece of meat that killed Adam and Eve. It was a piece of fruit. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> let's not forget that very important fact. <laughs> thought you'd appreciate, I thought here in this part of the world you'd appreciate that little biblical fact, right? So now the next time somebody talks about that, you can bring that up. It was fruit that killed us. It wasn't the bride flakes. 
All right, now I'll tell you another thing we're not going to do. You don't have to turn there, uh, but in Leviticus 11, you, you have what we now call the kosher diet or the Jewish diet. And I think you're all familiar with God giving the nation of Israel dietary restrictions, certain animals they're not allowed to eat. Come to Genesis 9. Let me show you a couple things about that. Genesis chapter 9 and verse, we'll start in verse 1. Now, first of all, when you go through the list of Israel's dietary laws, you won't find anything mentioned there where God said, I'm giving you these laws to protect your health. There's not one verse about that. Not one. Uh, there are certain things mentioned about these animals, about how they chew the cud and their foot is shaped differently, and that's how they could recognize a clean from an unclean animal. And some people have... They dug into the science of that and said, well, the animals that don't chew the cud, they don't digest things properly, their meat is a little more difficult for us to digest, and there's science behind that. But guys, I'm not here to give you a science lesson. Unqualified. I can tell you what the Bible says about it. God never said, Israel, in order to protect your health, don't eat certain things. He never said that. Now, let's, let's get everything the Bible has to say about these these animals, unclean and clean alike. Genesis 9, verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even as the green herb have I given you all things. So God is acknowledging his original setup. He said, guys, your diet, in the beginning, humanity's diet was meant to be green herbs. Now, anything that moves. Watch this, guys. It was God telling Noah, eat whatever you want. That includes pork. <laughs> so, so, now the reason I point that out is because some people would say, but God knew that pork was unclean because it was unhealthy. Well, Leviticus 11 came around about 1,500 years after this. So do you really think that as Noah walked out of the ark that he had some special knowledge of how to cook pork that they didn't have 1,500 years later? God knew full well, these guys know how to cook a piece of meat. Help yourself. You can slaughter the animal, cook it properly. He goes on to say, don't eat it with the blood. So eating raw meat would be dangerous. Right? You can get that from verse uh, 4 and 5 right there in Genesis 9. When God told Israel, don't eat certain things, it was, that command was given to them to make them a peculiar people, to set them apart from everybody else. So that all the other nations, when they would meet a Jew and they say, why don't you eat these things? Hey, now I have a chance to tell you about my God. My God gave us special commandments for this and this reason. It was a, it was a conversation starter. It wasn't, there was, there's nothing in the Torah that says this will help your health. Come to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, plenty of you are familiar with this passage, but get verse 3. We'll take a look at it together. 1 Timothy 4, verse 3. Now there were some uh, doctrines of devils being spread around in the days of Paul. 
And he's going to address two of them, starting in verse 3. The first one, forbidding to marry. Some people were teaching it was wrong to get married. And Paul said, that's a lie. That's, that's a devilish lie. You're allowed to get married. And the number two, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. You can eat whatever you want. Just make sure you pray about it first. Some things you need to pray about a little bit more before you eat it, right? During my survey trip in Malawi, they tried to get me to eat one of their mice. It's a delicacy there. They grabbed the mouse in the field. Not, why you can substantiate this? You knock the, knock the mouse in the head uh, to, to kill it. Then you put it in the skillet and, and you fry it until it's crispy. And then you eat it. You don't take anything off of it. Toenails, tail, whiskers, the whole thing is there. The whole thing. Do you eat them? Mumaja? Oh, he ate them a while ago. Oh. I had one all the way to my lips one time. That's as close as it came. Oh. I tell you what, you get a mouse that close to your mouth, you will start praying about it. God, am I crazy? What was I thinking? <laughs> now, it, it, it's not a sin to eat it, right? It's not a sin to eat it. May not, it may not be healthy. <laughs> not sure how healthy it is, but it's not a sin to eat it. You're allowed to eat whatever you want. Every creature of God is good. Do you see that? So, why would, if pork is unhealthy and shellfish are unhealthy and all these, a camel meat and all that, zebra, if that's unhealthy, why would God say, Jews, it's not healthy, don't eat it? Oh, you Gentiles are getting saved now? Oh, go ahead, eat it. Who cares if you die? <laughs> How can the meat all of a sudden miraculously go from unhealthy to poop? Now it's healthy. It has nothing to do with health. It was a religious ceremony and a, and a, state, a religious statement being made for the nation of Israel. That's all it was. And don't forget, it was the Lord himself in Acts chapter 10 that told Peter that the meat that of the four-footed beast, all the unclean animals, he said, don't you call common what I've made clean. Don't you call it unclean. I've cleansed it. Now you folks as Jews, you're allowed to eat it. Help yourself. So nothing wrong with that food. So we're not going to press any of these diets. You've got to have a kosher diet or an Eden diet or a Daniel diet. You need to have a diet. You need, to you need to eat healthy food. And by the grace of God, I'll show you a few examples of what that is. Guys, as I've mentioned, we're going to cover basic guidelines. I have known people that smoked and ate horrible, I mean a pathetic diet and lived into their 80s. And then I've, I've seen some health nuts, you know, these guys constantly exercise and measuring their protein powder, taking the creatine before every workout and they die at the age of 40. Guys, there, there's nothing that guarantees you're going to have perfect health, but there are some things you can do to hopefully improve the quality of it. So let's focus in on the food a little more. Get Psalm 104. Psalm 104. Psalm 104 and verse number 14. Psalm 104, verse 14. I am not going to stand here and tell you what to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Guys, I, I know what I eat, I know what works for me, but chances are you're not me. 
high chance of that. Chances are that what you eat for breakfast wouldn't work for me and vice versa. So I'm, I, I'm not even going to get into that. Okay? We're, this is not that kind of a lesson. But let me at least show you in the Bible where God acknowledges that he gave us certain foods for certain purposes. Psalm 104 verse 14, he causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man that he may bring forth food out of the earth. So God gives us vegetables so that we can eat nutritious food so that we can go and farm. It's a good verse on uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> That's why God gives us the food. Verse 15, and wine, God gave us that. And wine that maketh glad the heart of man and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. Now, is that the focus of the whole chapter, what we should eat? No, but it is there. Let's not ignore it. It is in the Bible. So let's take a quick look at these three things. Number one, he talks about the wine that he's given to the man. He says, wine that maketh glad the heart of man. As I was preparing for this, I looked in, I don't know, about 15 different commentaries to try to find what other people had to say about this verse. Wow, do they dance around this one. Yo, people get scared of this. They say, well, the reason that the wine makes the man's heart glad is because the man is glad to see the crops growing and his vineyard is growing very nicely. Because if, if it can produce grapes that produces wine, that means he can sell the grape juice and be very happy. I mean... He's working hard to make that verse say something it doesn't say. Guys, I, I have taught a lesson, what was it, over a year ago. I gave you a lesson all about wine. I, I'm not going to reteach that now. Let me make this clear, however. This verse does not condone social drinking. It doesn't. You say, but wine, it, it makes the heart glad. That's a good thing. Yeah, but it, it says nothing. This verse says nothing about how it might affect your testimony or how it might affect the conscience of the people around you. For that aspect, you have to go to other places in the Bible. So you can't forget that. But as I told you in that lesson last year, whenever it was, I'll tell you again now. Biblically, there it stands. If a man, if his conscience is not going to bother him, and if he's not going to offend anyone else around him, he should do this privately, mind you. The Bible says if you have faith, keep it to yourself, right? Romans 14. So if this isn't going to bother you and you want to have a glass of wine with dinner, the Bible says it can make glad the heart of man. Somebody's wound up and had a stressful day and they say, I just want to relax, calm down, and cheer up just a slight bit there's you a verse that says that's why God gave it. It has nothing to do with social drinking. It doesn't allow anyone to head down to a tavern. And it certainly doesn't advocate uh, going too far and getting intoxicated. We understand that? Are we on good ground there? All right. Not, not to mention, right? You can hold your place here in Psalm 104. Get Proverbs chapter 31. Let me show you this in Proverbs. You guys don't mind if we look at several verses, do you? Are you good with that? We came for a Bible study tonight, yes? Proverbs 31, verse number 6. If there's any doubts that wine can affect a man's heart and cheer him up, 
the, uh, this verse will clear up any doubts. If, if you think that Psalm 104 is talking about somebody having a good crop and lots of, you know, the grapes are growing good and it makes them happy to have a good business, if that's how you take that, help yourself. I don't mean to offend your conscience, but then what do you do with this? Proverbs 31, verse 6, Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Why? That, that has nothing to do with his good crops. <laughs> this guy, now he's about to perish. He's about to die. We do this in hospitals all the time. You give him morphine. You give him some sort of medicine to calm the pain. That's what's going on here, okay? I'm just showing you that one of the reasons God made that wine was for this purpose. Somebody's got a heavy heart. It can relieve some of that burden. But, but, by no means should you take this too far and think that you can hang out at the bar with your buddies and use this verse in Psalms or Proverbs to back that up. Not the case at all. Let us also not forget in 1 Timothy 5, verse 23, Paul said to Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Drink no longer water, he says. Take a little wine for your stomach's sake and your often infirmities. So wine can be used medicinally completely fine now come back to Psalm 104 verse number 15 Psalm 104 verse 15 he says here in wine that maketh glad the heart of man and oil to make his face to shine well now it's very common amongst eastern cultures to actually take olive oil or some other kind of natural oil and rub it on their face and make it shine to them it's a sign of of uh, good health and and uh uh, it's a beautiful presentation in their cultures. I'm not so sure we would do that, right? We're worried about our complexion a little too much. I go rubbing oil on my face and next week I'm going to be broken out really bad. So we don't want that. But interestingly enough, I, I did a little research on this. Can I just read you one quick quote? Dr. Ellen Marmer, she is a dermatologist. She said this, Monounsaturated fats are found in olive oil, canola oil, and avocados. These healthy fats help to maintain the water level in the epidermis, your skin, and supply the, I believe you would say, ceramides and fats that keep the bricks and mortar of the skin healthy and intact. This translates into less itchy, healthy-looking, glowing skin by eating the oil, healthy oils. Well, there it stands in the Bible that oil can make the face shine. It'll make your skin healthier if you have the healthy and right kind of oil Jesus said this when you fast he said but thou when thou fastest anoint thine head and wash thy face now the point there in Matthew 6 is don't don't go around putting on a big show hey look everybody I'm fasting he says don't don't make a big show of it just wash your face anoint your head fix your hair like you normally do and go about your business but I learned there you can anoint the head. Uh, if, you, if you're struggling with dandruff, you might want to try a little <laughs> anoint the head. <laughs> Maybe you need to eat some avocados. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? It might help. It might help. Did, did you think that you'd learn how to cure dandruff in church tonight? Did you? <laughs> Psalm 104, verse 15. He says at the end of the verse, And bread which strengtheneth man's heart. All right, so he says you need to eat some bread. Now, I will say this. Our modern-day version of bread, they take a lot of the vitamins out of it and a lot of the good-for-you stuff out of the bread so that it can sit on the shelf for weeks on end before you buy it. 
The real healthy stuff is you go down to the bakery, they make it in the morning, you buy it later that morning, you eat it in the afternoon. That's the real healthy kind of stuff. But even the modern day stuff, let me read you just a quick quote on that. This expert says, we all know how satisfying it can be to mop up soup, stew, or gravy with a healthy chunk of bread. Well, apparently, the same effect, at least metaphorically speaking, takes place inside the body. According to a recent clinical study that was conducted at the University of Barcelona in Spain, daily consumption of bread can actually improve your lipid profile, that's your cholesterol and fatty acids, and reduce your chances of developing heart disease or other problems with your blood vessels. So you understand, like you would put a piece of bread in a, in a bowl of soup and it would... It would absorb that by putting the bread into the body it absorbs some of the fatty acids and cholesterol and whatnot so it actually helps professor Raphael Lorac and his colleagues investigated the effects of daily consumption of both white and wholemeal bread in 275 elderly volunteers who were considered to be at high risk of developing cardiovascular disease the results showed that those who ate bread daily had lower insulin levels and better lipid profiles compared to those who did not eat bread on a daily basis. The researchers stressed that daily, not sporadic, consumption of bread is necessary to achieve these results. Eat a little bit of bread every day. Where did we hear this before? Matthew 6, verse 11. Jesus said when he taught us to pray, give us this day our what? Daily bread. Well, see, we had that in Matthew 6, 2,000 years before Raphael Lorak ever told us anything about it. <laughs> Isn't that something? There you go. Now, guys, that's the extent of what I can really show you about here. Take a little of this, a little of that. What you are learning here is God has provided certain foods to accomplish certain things for our body. I will let you go home and do your research. You know what your needs are and what what kind of diet you want to have and keep. I'll leave the rest of that to you. I'm going to give you an even more general thought as we close tonight. Uh, come to Philippians chapter 4. Now, I, I got about 10 more verses to show you, so we're, we're certainly not done with our Bibles, but this is the last point that I want to make. When it comes to your food, no matter what food you're deciding to eat, if you want to go on an all-veg diet, please help yourself. I have nothing against vegetarians. I love vegetarians. More meat for me, amen. <laughs> we need more vegetarians just for that purpose alone. But the Bible commands us in Romans 14, if one person thinks they can only eat vegetables and the other guy thinks he can eat meat, either way, it's fine, right? We, neither side of that argument should force the other by saying, now, if you don't eat like me, you're not spiritual. We gotta make sure we keep that separate. But you're welcome to try whatever diet you want. Uh, this, though, this, I think, can really help you with whatever food you choose to eat. Philippians 4, verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, the key here, I don't care if it's fish, right? Jesus gave the disciples fish. So we could go on and on about, hey, we've got to eat more fish. Did you know that in Isaiah chapter 7, it was prophesied that Jesus would eat butter and honey? Did you know that? It's a prophecy. He'd eat butter and honey. So we could go on and on about the Jesus diet. You've got to eat butter and honey. We could, you see, we could emphasize all these things. 
At the end of the day, guys, you need to eat in moderation. In moderation. Now, I don't know if you're like me. If you're a man given to appetite, the Bible says, put a knife to your throat. Let's look at that verse. Come to Proverbs 23. I see some of you doubting that. Proverbs 23. You got to see this. Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, verse 1. Proverbs 23, verse 1. He says here, When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. You know there are a lot of people that are digging their own grave with a, a leopold and a fork. <laughs> They're digging their grave because they just can't put down the fork and the spoon and they just keep eating and eating and they're given to appetite. Look at chapter 24, verse 13. How many of you have a sweet tooth? I'll raise my hand. I, here, I got, I got several sweet, sweet teeth, amen. I got sweet teeth. I love me some sweets. That was when I learned how to cook. That's where I went to the section in the cookbook where you have all the pastries and the cakes and the pies and the cheesecakes. And we got to move on, man. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> that, that stuff is by a liquor, by a liquor. Yo. I, I, I like me some sweets. Now, is it wrong to eat them? You know, anytime somebody preaches about health, you know, you got to do away with all the desserts. I'm going to say eat them. Yeah, amen. See? Lorenzo, that's why this is a good church. Amen. We let you eat dessert here. We even put cookie and cookies and cake out on the table out there. But, verse 13, My son, eat thou honey, because it is good, and honeycomb, which is sweet to thy taste. There's your sweet tooth. You found something. Now, in the Bible, they didn't have all the delicacies that we now have. They did have some, but not as many as we have now. But honey, that was a very typical dessert there. You found some honey? You want some honey? Go ahead, eat it. Why? Because it's lecker. <laughs> because it's sweet. That's it. He didn't say because it's all these health benefits. Solomon didn't go on a rant about the health side. He said, eat it because it tastes good. <laughs> I'm going to go home and eat me some dessert tonight, some lecker dark chocolate because it tastes good. <laughs> I might even put a few scoops of ice cream on top of it just because it tastes good. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I, I got to quit thinking about that, man. My mind's going. Proverbs 25. Now, now let's, let's see what else the Bible says about this sweet honey. Proverbs 25, verse 27. It is not good to eat much honey. And then he compares it with, so for men to search their own glory is not glory. What's he saying? Eat thou honey. Why? It's sweet. Don't take it too far, though. You can eat some honey, but don't get into much honey. One piece of pie is enough. Booty, listen, it's enough. You don't need four candy bars in a day. One bite will do it. Amen. <laughs> I'm not getting any amens on that. Look at verse number 16. Verse 16. Hast thou found honey? Proverbs 25, 16. Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is what? Sufficient for thee, lest thou be what? filled therewith and vomited. You know, that, that's where the man needs to put a knife to his throat because it's getting to be too much. He's taken in so much. He's so full, there's literally no more space. <laughs> it just comes out. 
I find here a principle for our diet. Eat what is sufficient, but be very careful about stuffing yourself. Now see, I think that is a basic, that is a basic principle for biblical body care. Do it moderately. Is it good? Fine, eat it. You like the Breifles? Good. One choppy is enough. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, put the stones down. Put the stones down. <laughs> but here's what we do. We eat until... Now, have you ever seen people... You, maybe you did this this afternoon. You eat until... Oh. I can't, I can't eat one more bite. You ever get to that point? Right? That's not healthy. That's not healthy. I don't care what you're eating. That's not healthy. So look at Proverbs chapter 30. Try this. Try this in your diet. Eat, eat what is sufficient, but don't eat until you're stuffed, until you're full. I've learned this word in Afrikaans. Ek is versarig. What does that mean? I, does that mean I'm satisfied? I, I've had enough. Does that mean I am completely stuffed? Right. I've heard other people say, because duck. Does that mean you're stuffed, right? Does that mean stuffed? That means you're thick. I know the word means thick, but now you've gone too far. There's a difference, right, between fersarach and duck. <laughs> There's a difference. Am, am, I, am I using the Afrikaans correctly? I thought that would help explain it and make sense in your mind, right? Proverbs 30, verse number 8. Proverbs 30, verse 8. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Do you hear the balance in that? I don't want one extreme or the other. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Now, when he says convenient, guys, he doesn't have McDonald's and Burger King and Nando's and KFC. He's not talking about, feed me with fast food because it's convenient. That's not what he's talking about. Most health experts will tell you, if it comes in a box, don't eat it. Most health experts will tell you that because they've had to add something to it, preservatives and whatnot. So generally, fast food is not a healthy choice. But even there, if you want to have McDonald's or Burger King or whatever it is, this principle still stands. You eat what is convenient. That is what is necessary. You eat what's necessary. You eat what is sufficient, suitable, proper, or fitting. See? And, and then you, once you've had enough, for sarach, then you leave it. Give me the food convenient for me, verse 9, lest I be full. What does the writer of this proverb, what is he afraid of? I don't want to get stuffed. I don't want to be duck. I don't want to get to that point. Guys, that'll help you. Before you get to the stage where you literally cannot walk away from the table, put the fork and knife down and say, now that's enough. That'll give me enough strength to do what I need to do next. You eat too much and it makes you groggy and sleepy and your, your stomach can't digest it all and all of a sudden you're grumpy and in pain and then you run to the doctor because you got stomach problems. Then he fills you full of pills and, and then that breaks down other organs in your body and then all of a sudden you get anxious because your health is going bad and then you get stress and anxiety and they give you depression pills and all of a sudden you're hooked on everything. 
because you couldn't put the fork and knife down. Amen. Amen. I'm not exaggerating. That's how it works. It's exactly how it goes. Let me give you some verses. Come quickly. Come quickly. We've got to finish here. Get Exodus chapter 16. We're going to move quick. Move quick. Exodus 16. Are we okay? We've got, we got just a few minutes left. Yeah? You guys can hold out that long? Are you getting hungry yet? <laughs> Exodus 16. Don't worry. Next, next time we'll talk about exercise and then, and then by the end of the service we'll all be doing jumping jacks or something. Exodus 16, verse number 3. Let me show you a few verses on being full. Exodus 16, 3. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Oh, they're so dramatic. They said, you know, we liked it a lot better in Egypt when we sat by the flesh pot. What's that? They had a little jar there with the meat being uh, marinated. And they said, we could eat as much meat as we want and eat bread to the full. Well, guys, your situation in Egypt probably wasn't the best one that you ever had. And now they're complaining. Why? They're marching through the wilderness. So what are we going to eat? You're going to kill us with hunger. God's going to rain down bread from heaven. They said, oh, God's not going to make provision. He, God's not going to stuff them every day. God rains down daily bread. The manna came down every day, right? Daily bread. Enough to get them to the next day. That's what he provided. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6, verse number 11. Deuteronomy 6 and 11. Now there's a lot going on here. I'm just going to focus in on the food part of it. Deuteronomy 6, verse 11. He, he's talking about when they get into the land of Canaan. These are the things that they're going to find. In verse 11, And houses full of all good things which thou fills, fillest not. You didn't fill it up. And wells digged which thou diggest not. Vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now watch the pattern. You guys are going to eat and stuff yourself, and right then you're going to be in danger of forgetting about God. Watch, watch this happen. Look at chapter 8. Look at chapter 8. Verse number 7, chapter 8, verse 7. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water and of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. He said, guys, when you get full, be, be very careful that you're thanking God for all these blessings. Why? Verse 11, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. You guys are going to get so stuffed and full, you're going to forget about God. Come down to verse number 
16. They were in danger of forgetting this, forgetting who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God. Do you see what the danger is? You get so full you think you're self-sufficient it actually led to spiritual problems interesting how that might work together look at chapter 11 Deuteronomy 11 verse 13 Deuteronomy 11 verse 13 it shall come to pass if ye shall uh, hearken diligently unto my commandments which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul that I will give you the reign of your of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, watch this next part, that thou mayest eat and be full. He wanted them eating the bryflace. Do you see that? Now you Afrikaners need to mark that in your Bible. That's a very important verse. Verse 16, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Why? At the end of verse 16, he said, you're going to get full of bryflace. And verse seven, uh, at the end of verse 15, he says, you're going to get full. And then in verse 16, you might just forget God. Do you see how that keeps getting repeated? I, as I studied this, I must admit, I, I've taken special notice of my own diet. How many times I've gone back for that extra serving I didn't need. And for the last two weeks, I have applied that. Did you know... I haven't had a stomach ache in two weeks. Not one time did I have any discomfort at all because I put the fork and knife down before I got full. It's tremendous. What a simple biblical principle that has improved my health already. One last place and we're done. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. I hope this is helping you folks. I hope it is. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse number 16. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 16. Solomon says, Ecclesiastes 10, 16. That's Priedeker for those of you in the Afrikaans Bible. Right after Proverbs, if that helps. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 16. Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child, and thy princes eat in the morning. Now Solomon's being a, not, not necessarily sarcastic, but he's, he's really driving home a point. The king being a child, there were some kings in Israel's history that took the throne at the age of 8 and 10 and very young. That's not what he's getting at here. Some of those kings turned out very, very good. He says, woe to the land when the king is a child. That is, he's immature. He's acting like a spoiled brat. Woe to the land when a spoiled brat is sitting on the throne. He might be 50 years old. But he's acting like a child. Woe to the lamb when the king is a child and thy princes eat in the morning. Now, what's wrong with eating in the morning? I mean, they say breakfast is the most important meal of the day, which I believe. What's wrong with that? This is like 3 a.m. in the morning. This is they've stayed up all night partying and now they got the munchies at 3 in the morning and woe to the land when the leaders of it their greatest concern is partying, drinking, and eating as much as they can. 
Woe to the land like that. Verse 17, Blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is in the... Uh, when thy king is the son of nobles. So that is the nobility is passed down, he's learned good character, and thy princes eat in due season. Take special note of that. You eat when it's time to eat. They eat in due season. When it's breakfast time, they eat breakfast. Lunch, they eat lunch. Dinner, dinner. I don't care how many times you normally eat in the day. Some people say you should eat five times a day. Some say three. Some eat two. I don't care. But here's the warning I think you learned from this. Don't graze at the snack bar. Some people, the whole day, they have breakfast and then they have a snack and a snack and a snack and a snack and then lunch and then they snack and a snack and a snack and then dinner and then all the way into the early morning hours. There's still you know, a little bit of popcorn, a little few peanuts here. <laughs> Just constantly something's going in. Eat in due season. Eat at the proper time. Thy princes eat in due season for strength. Notice that, for strength. Why do they eat? So that they have enough energy to get the next job done. Not, not simply for pleasure and to get full and man, I love that food so much I can't get enough of it. So they eat for strength and not for drunkenness. What's that? Here's a person who's getting drunk. He's going way, way beyond the norm. He's, there's no moderation. It's just he's taking it in and in and there's no stop to it. I, I, it almost makes it sound as if he's getting drunk on food. Now he's not because this guy's sitting there eating so much food he keeps drinking the wine with it, getting drunk. He has no limits on his appetite. Paul said, watch out for the guy whose belly is his God. Watch out for that. I think Solomon sums it up nicely. Eat in due season and eat it for strength. Now, we're certain that we're, we haven't covered all of it. We got a lot more to go but we're going to save the rest of these topics for next time. So let's all stand. I hope this has been a help to you. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll let you guys head off. Now tonight, we don't need to break anything down. As I understand it, we need to simply pull the tables in. Um, if any of you are interested, these creatures here that are flying around, why don't we eat these in Malawi? Yeah, yeah, these are, these are not bad. You, you, need, you just get a pot of water, and they fly into the pot of water and then you can pull their wings off and then you, you put the rest of the, the body of the, of the insect into hot oil and it, it's like popcorn. So I just thought I'd throw that in for the diet, right? <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to study these things and Lord, I do pray. I do pray, God, that you'd help this congregation with their health. Lord, you, you have to show them what they need to eat. Lord, but help us to do it in moderation. Lord, please. I, I know, Lord, you're more concerned about our soul than our body. I know that. But Lord, help us not to take lightly this physical body you've given us. Help us to take care of this temple so that, Father, we might glorify you with it. Lord, thank you for what you've shown us tonight. Please help us throughout this week. Give us a chance to serve you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.